1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue and he is Sean Fitz and We're with you for another week. The final week of April, NFL Draft lies ahead. Going to be a few Penn State names called, and we'll see how high Micah Parsons climbs. We have plenty of content coming your way with our second episode this week. We'll take a look. We'll take some guesses at maybe where guys will land uh, coming out of Happy Valley, making the jump into the league. We got a lot of spring ball to cover here, Sean, and you're fresh off a trip to Philadelphia where you just saw Bo Perbula, Penn State's quarterback, commit in action. Um, So setting the table for for what should be kind of a show that hits to all fields.
2: And before we start, uh, condolences to the St. Francis football family and uh, anybody around that program. Uh, Aaron Wilson, I'm not sure if you saw it online, uh, 2022 defensive lineman that he had a Penn State offer. He's a four-star kid, uh, passed away on Monday from, uh, you know, just – it was a form of cancer. I don't know the specific form, but it worked very quickly. Um, And unfortunately he lost his life on Monday. So condolences to that. I hate to start the show out on a somber note, but uh, it's, it's, it's a damn shame to see that happen to someone so young and it's a hug your kids type moment. And it it was just, uh, it's going to hit, it it hit the recruiting world pretty hard this morning. And it's just, it's such a shame to see um, that happen. And, and, you know, obviously something very, very far out of anyone's control, and it's just a, a a heck of a downer. So condolences to to, to the family of Aaron Wilson and the Saint Francis football family. And that's a that's a that's a tough one right there, man.
0: Right there with Sean. Um, that that's that's something that just kind of came across our timeline, our feed, as we were sitting down to record. And um, just a young man who had a lot ahead of him, and uh, just. One of those perspective moments for everybody when you see something like that. So we 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 wish them well, the family, the teammates, the coaches, those who have impacted this young man and uh, are now missing this young man. But uh, we'll do our best to, to re- refocus here, Sean, on on Penn State football and 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 the game and the sport that that we love to cover and uh, that has impacted so many young players and gotten them a chance to build their platforms. And here at Penn State. Um, offense, defense, both were in focus for us the last podcast in case folks missed it. We came to you Friday night, uh, dropped one fresh out of Beaver stadium. It was our second time in Beaver stadium in a matter of six days. Again, thanks to the program for opening their doors to the press box and Sean, you know, we're not going to tack too much on from just Friday night, but we're going to be taking more of a, a larger scale view at spring ball, which was 15 total practices over the course of six weeks going back to mid-March and uh, this roster is not complete yet. We'll talk about that in a moment. Still a freshman coming in at least one transfer coming in, um, But but the two open sessions that we got probably about four hours of watching these guys in the field, combined with weekly conversations with coaches, with players, with coordinators, begin to get a better perception of where this program is at certainly far better than where we were at this time last year.
2: Yeah, well, this this time last year didn't really exist. So, uh, just a chance to get out there and and you know get those fifteen practices in and sort of uh, right the ship and try and get going in the right direction. We saw, I, I think, what we saw was some progress in the last couple of weeks of camp, and it's tough to make evaluations off of the Friday night when we were there. I, I, again, I think I said it in the post game. The, the scrimmage on the Saturday before, I think it was a little bit more informative of what we were about to see. We saw more players, um, which is not uh, you know, it's it's nothing out of the ordinary to see veterans rest. You know, Brisker's not out there, Castro Field's not out there, some of those other guys not out there. Um, so I think we got a little bit more out of that Saturday scrimmage, but we we did get a, a glimpse here. And that's really what we were hoping to see, um, you know, we get, we, we weren't on the field. We weren't uh, there at the practice field uh, seeing the little things, but uh, you can, you can gain some stuff from up top. And that was, that was good to have, but everybody, you know, everybody loves a spring stock report, right? I mean, everybody's uh, looking forward to how these guys are coming out of spring and, and we've kind of gotten some of the same storylines, but I think that now's a good time to reflect on those guys that, uh, that really Made the most out of these last
0: fifteen practices. Right, right, and and some someone that I referenced in, in both of my offensive takeaway pieces, each of our coming out of each of those last couple of scrimmages was Kevon Lee, um, and, and he's just very difficult to ignore. What we saw from him the final month of last season, Sean, when he was the number one guy, Devin Ford was sidelined for for most of that stretch because I Holmes was, was the next man in. Um, and then where he has picked up where he left off. I mean, the the, the feedback in March was really strong from J1 Sider uh, about how he's put it together mentally. And, and then I think physically what we've seen from Keevan Lee, um, to me, he appears to to be a, a bit more burst. Um, this is a guy who came to campus at a weight that that kind of scared you a little bit, maybe when you look at the running back position but he carries it so well. Um, and, and he's known as the downhill guy. And I know people want to picture North South three yards in a cloud, a cloud of dust kind of situation, but we saw some, some moments here this spring, Sean, uh, where, where you know, it was, it was a 12 yard gain on one of his first carries last week, and then a 25 yard pickup uh, as a pass catcher. Uh, this guy can, can move a bit in the open field. I think maybe more so than, than people are giving him the benefit of at this point in his career. He's, he's getting there. Uh, I think he, there's still
2: some to work on with some of that short area quickness and, uh, and things. And I, and I love what James Franklin said about him is, you know, he tries, he doesn't, he plays within himself. He doesn't try to be a back that he isn't. So even if he does burst outside, he puts his foot in the ground, gets back upfield. And I think that's really the key that you're looking at with Kevon Lee. I still think Noah Kane's probably your number one um, and he's got to obviously be healthy to do so. Um, but I think he's, he's probably the most talented in that group. Um, But Keevan Lee's shown them something over the last couple of months. And that's uh, where he came in from, from where he came in to now. It's it's a little bit surprising because he didn't get into camp until August, excuse me, didn't get into camp until August. And he really was not physically developed as you think he would, but, you know, he turned that raw talent into something that he could work with, especially over the latter half of the season. So I'm going to continue to work with Dwight Galt going to, you know, sort of shave some of that weight. And uh, I don't think he's too heavy or anything like that, but you can turn that weight into even better weight and uh, make it, uh, make it so you're a bit, a little bit faster. Again, he still fits the profile of what we thought he was. He's not a home run threat or anything of that nature, um, but he's a darn solid back. And, you know, you can't, sometimes you can't get enough of those guys.
0: And just a reminder: not only did he show up last, you know, last summer, he didn't; he wasn't here for the winter conditioning program or anything like that. But he didn't have a spring uh, football, senior football season. It's something that he spoke about with us here on the podcast, Sean, uh, about ten months ago at this point, when he was on with us. Um, because of you know moving to a different school, uh, it just didn't work out where he was able to get on the football field as a senior. So he had a bit of a layoff. So for him to come in and, and be a guy who could take the ball twenty times, and, and the Michigan game was was clearly his coming out party. But you know he's pretty much sustained his ability to go out and and, and average a, a you know a quality yardage, get you get you moving forward in the right direction. I think he finished right around five yards per carry as a true freshman, led Penn State. Um, And rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And you look at him and Noah Kane and what you like about both of them is they squeeze the most out of those touches, right? They they always seem to be able to fall forward, have the momentum behind them as they're hitting the ground, um, putting you on track for manageable second and third down situations and, and, and keeping your defense on the sideline and keeping the opponent's getting worn down over the game. And we heard Franklin call Lee a, a closer kind of running back. And where have we heard that applied to before? So the same thing about Noah Kane. That's the question right now. To me, these two look like they're they're ahead of the pack. And, and it is a, a competitive pack right now. We saw John Lovett for the first time. But to me, these two guys, I mean, combined, you're looking at a fully healthy Kane. I'm with you. That's where my money would be in terms of who's going to lead this team in rushing yards and touches out of that backfield. But that combination, I know people want to get a speed guy involved there. You want that home run threat. Kane and Lee going on the road to a team like Wisconsin, taking on a, a program like Auburn. Uh, to me, I mean, that, that combination could really beat down an opponent over the course of the season. And when you get in a nasty weather, and let's face it, when you're a little concerned about the quarterback position and mistakes coming out of that way when you put the ball in the air, I just feel like those two guys, if you're getting the full, complete versions of of them here in 2021 with Kevon Lee and Noah Kane, that is a combination that can carry you through some of the nastier, weather you'll see in the Big Ten play and some of the style uh, that you'll find wins games in this conference when it matters most. I, I would agree with
2: that to an extent. I, I just am curious. I think I, I I agree with what you said about the weather and, you know, I, I think that's a duo that can, you know, easily off Michigan state or something like that. I'm curious what this running back room brings to the table to beat a team like Ohio state. And that's, you know, you've got two guys that are not the home run threats. We've seen Penn state when it's been at its best playing Ohio state, obviously that, and, and, and this is the big thing right now, right now, mm-hmm. right. Is, everybody's going to try and compare every running back to say Quan and miles Sanders. And that's really not going to happen. Even journey Brown as well. And that's just not going to happen. Um, so you, you wonder if these guys are the guys that, that take them where they need to go to beat Ohio state. And I think that's probably when you're looking at the running back room and it's talented and it's, you know, it's deep or whatever. And we'd like to see more of John Lovett and what he can bring to the table before making these sweeping statements. But you're just wondering if that's a group that can carry you past Ohio state. And I think that, you know, for the most part, these guys can can get it done against most of the schedule. I just still have my uh, questions about whether you can get it done against the top of the schedule.
0: Who's getting to that perimeter, beating the speed off the edge, getting to that second level? Off, yeah, it, it, that's that's the question right now. And and Devin Ford, I think has a lot to prove, uh, you know, that, that hasn't changed that we've gone through spring. And in fact, that's kind of been solidified by the comments we've heard from James Franklin and from Jaywan Sider. And then you have Kaziah Holmes So we got to see a, a week ago Um, and, you know, didn't really do much to wow you. And then we, we didn't see him on the field um on Friday in the practice finale. And we, we did see Love it once, but, but not the time before. And I, I, I think maybe, you know, Who do you think right now? I guess here's the question. If we're talking about, uh, you know, Kane and and Lee in this kind of component where they do what they do. And a lot of it happens between the tackles and they're not going to outrace your defensive backfield. Who do do you like the bet on right now? Uh, Out of those other three guys to maybe emerge as the change of pace guy, the home run kind of threat, who may have a lower volume, uh, lower percentage of, of touches out of that backfield, but maybe has the ability to go rumble for 60 yards because I think all three of those guys we're talking about there's a lot all unknown. Yeah, I
2: think I think love it probably right now. Uh, I have got concerns about the uh the weight that Devin Ford can put on and and how he can play at that weight and what he can do still like, you know, you you still see some of the talent shining through, you see him as a receiver and things like that, but um, I, I just I like what we saw from Love Lovett the other night. And I think that his experience and body of work, you know, are, are far have far surpassed what Devin Ford's been able to do, um, albeit in different conferences. But uh, yeah, I think that that's that's a big question right now. And it's just it, it just can't tell you how much it sucks that Journey had to give it up. I mean, you mm. just, you look at that guy, you know, we probably wouldn't have seen him this year anyway, if he would have had the year that we thought he might've had last year and tested the way that he was supposed to test. We'll um, be talking
0: about him on the next episode. Yeah, the next week, episode, Sean. the draft yeah.
2: episode. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the difference there is you thought Kaziah Holmes might be able to be that guy. just hasn't been able to get there yet. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's some concern in there. And, and I think that, what you get into here is, okay, Noah Kane's the big bruiser or the bruiser that goes forward. Kevon Lee's the bruiser that goes forward. And those guys are very similar, which I think you can get by with. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to, to I, for lack of a better word, take the top off the defense with a guy that can outrun everybody. And that's something that when you look across the board at those offensive skill positions, yes, very good skill, um, but nobody that's really going to run away from four, three, five, four, four defensive backs.
0: Well, we'll get back to the subject at hand, which is stock up guys. in this conversation yeah, at running that back we, started with Keevan Lee. Really back
2: really quickly. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. But uh, and, and, and all those guys are going to rely on strong play from the offensive front. And and now that we're out of spring ball, Sean, I'm, I'm putting both feet, I think, on this bandwagon that, that Rashid Walker is, is about to go make some kind of first team Big Ten push. Um, he's got 12 games as a proving ground. They're going to need him in a big way to protect whoever's that quarterback. Um, and open rushing lanes here we know he will face an array of impressive guys off the edge in big 10 play Um, but to me he just looks like he's very much under control there's not much sloppy movement there Um, really anyone who came his way that that we saw um, one-on-one situations prior to the scrimmage during scrimmage just you didn't really see uh, uh, you know you didn't see much penetration on that side of the football. I mean, there were issues for the for the offensive line at different times, and there was uh, you know, guys getting pressure, but very, very seldom was that coming off of the left edge um, and just buying into what James Franklin has hammered home to us. You know, at, at every opportunity, it seems, saying that Rasheed Walker has reinvested himself in a way that, I don't know if it surprised them, but they are extremely, extremely thrilled about how Rasheed Walker has come and, and focused in on his fourth year on a campus. And this is a guy who, who has big ambitions for 2021. And let's face it, he stands to make himself a pile of money if he puts together a strong uh, fourth sophomore campaign here.
2: And we're at the disadvantage of not being able to go back and watch these things or watch replays or anything like that. But yeah, you're right. It seemed like, you know, when that pressure was coming, it was more from the right side. I I think Rashid has turned into a veteran. I mean, there were several times when you look down on that sideline and he's working with, Olu Fashanu or, or J- uh, Jimmy Christ or something like that, just in in sets and little things. And, and that was nice to see because he was kind of thrown in the fire early and he's been sitting there learning from Will Fries and Michael Menett and some of those veterans. Um, but now it's it's got to be on him a little bit. And I know everybody looks to Miranda as the guy who's, you know, probably the veteran, you know, the, the veteran presence in the room, but Walker is going to need to be that. And I think just given – his immense talent, given what we've seen from him this spring, I think he's well on his way there.
0: And we've got a story to tell here over the course of the year. Him and Troutwine have developed a really important relationship, I think for both parties with Troutwine getting acclimated with this room in the group and Rasheed Walker looking to take the next step in his career. He has put a lot of trust in Phil Troutwine, kind of, He mentioned him directly as a a, a big reason why he was very comfortable to to give it another go at Penn State when he could have found his way into the NFL and found his way to some paychecks right off the bat. But this is a guy whose stock can continue to grow. They've become fishing buddies. It sounds like so. I want to dig into that. I look forward to hearing more about the adventures of Phil and Rashid. But I think it's something that that's been very influential for him for him in a positive way. And that's the kind of stuff that the mentor aspect that that James Franklin was looking for. I think in in hiring someone like Phil Troutline, his age, his playing experience, and and I think that's paid off in this particular instance. As an aside on the offensive line, um, a guy that we did see with the first team here um, on on the left side at guard. Don't know that we'll see him as much this fall, Sean, maybe even in in August, depending on who's available and who's coming to campus. Uh, But Salim Wormley, and and he's someone that you've heard good things about as well. I've heard good things about Salim Wormley, and that's uh,
2: a little bit surprising because coming into 2020, you kind of had heard the opposite in terms of his layoff and you know how he came back to campus and things like that it was kind of buried there. Uh, so for him to come along, obviously Des Holmes wasn't out there, um, this spring very much and, and kind of opened some things up for those guys, uh, Wormley Wigan, um, you know, we'll see Eric Wilson when he gets on campus at the end of May. Uh, those guys will certainly be involved in that. Um, but yeah, he had a, had a nice spring and it kind of puts him back on track from where you hoped he would be. So hey, I definitely heard some, some good things about, uh, excuse me, about Wormley, uh, this spring and ho- hopefully continues on that track
0: tight end feels like the stock is steady overall for that room. We we didn't anticipate uh, a calamity coming off of the Friar era. That's not what we're going to see. Uh, we didn't see that this spring, but I feel like we, it's pretty well addressed how we felt about Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson this winter. One guy we wanted to longer look at was Tyler Warren, the longer look came in the form of, of two different opportunities to attend practice in Penn State and uh, Beaver Stadium. So it wasn't a huge, huge, massive viewing session this spring of Tyler Warren, but but Sean, we saw a lot of him. He got a lot of snaps involved. Uh, we saw twelve personnel. So oftentimes he was sharing the field with Theo Johnson, and um, I just came away Im- impressed by um, you know it looked like you're watching a guy who's played tight end for a while out there running some routes, doing things with the ball after the catch. Um, Probably get a chance to see more of the physicality this fall uh, that that we started to see last December late in the Big Ten schedule. Uh, And and a guy that I think is going to factor in. You've got Khalil Dinkins coming in at tight end, Theo Johnson, Brendan Strange. Uh, They're going to be hard to get off the field as well. But Warren in year two, I think this is probably the second or third time I've said it. From what you hear, from what you see, he's further along than where I kind of pegged him at this point. I thought it was going to be more of a two, three-year kind of project, and he could be ready to to make some moves on the field this season. I'll, I'll I'll hold off on
2: saying he's going to make an impact on the field this season, just be basically because of what's in front of him, and I think Strange and Johnson, very talented guys, in front of him. Uh, but I I agree with you; he, he was further along than I, than I thought he would be. Obviously, he's got the. The background is the high school quarterback, but it also has that fantastic basketball tape, and you can see he's an athlete there. And we kind of saw a little bit more of that when we saw him this spring. He's out there, you know, in the slot running slants and things like that, which is uh, not easy to do. It's 6'6", 260 or whatever he is. Um, So I was impressed with Tyler Warren. I I tapped the brakes on, he'll, you know, crack the rotation and get into it this year. Um, But it looks like, Man, that's a really good tight end class with uh, with Tyler Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, and uh, I still think Theo's pro- probably going to be the best out of the bunch. But you know, you the, I think Warren's no slouch there.
0: Yeah, Tyler Bowen now helping the Jaguars get ready for the draft, but Ty Howell's got to like what he has in that room and and what's still coming his way this offseason and into next year, to be honest. Um, Elsewhere in the pass attack, this shouldn't be a surprise, but but Parker Washington really put together a strong spring, guy who made a run for freshman of the year honors in the Big Ten last year. Um, And and Sean, I've said it before, I I see Parker Washington as a 60-plus catch potential guy here in, in 2021. We'll see how active the passing attack is. We'll see how many guys are involved. Jahan Dotson is going to be the primary target here for Penn State. But Parker Washington has this knack for making incredible highlight reel plays. I know Jahan Dotson has has built his share too, but everything you hear on the practice field is just like Parker Washington does something every few days that everyone just kind of turns around and stares at him for a second and says, wow, this kid's special. Those are the kind of stories we heard last year when he had two, three weeks to practice with Sean Clifford before he ended up catching an overtime touchdown in his first college game on the road at Indiana. Um, And I just feel like the stage is set here for Parker Washington, um, who is just built like a, a, you know, like a 23 year old in his second year on campus, there's just not a lot of holes to poke in his game his approach and it just feels like as long as he's healthy out there him and, and and dotson that's a tandem that penn state could really lean on and i'm not sure at wide receiver when the last time they've had a tandem like that it's i feel like it's been at least 4 4 years or so well, that's it, it has been a while since you get those those skill guys in there and the,
2: you know obviously penn state's had some good ones in the last decade or so, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see those guys besides speaking of what you mentioned that the 23 year old, we completely uh, just paved over your birthday last week. So happy belated birthday to you. Uh, Twenty three, yes, yes. Yes. 23. Again. Um, I know it was kind of a lower priority than the, than the cat who also had a birthday I saw this week. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, happy birthday to you, but back to Parker Washington. Uh, uh, what can we say that really hasn't already been said, just came in with that mentality that he could you know, step on the field and make an impact right away. And lo and behold, he went, went ahead and did it. So um, I think that, I expect to see maybe a jump in him being stronger, you know, going after those 50, 50 balls. Cause I think that's probably the thing that, you know, last year he made the great catches. um, And I, I just think that, you know, you throw it up to him and I hate to bring the fade word into it, but you know, that wasn't a a strong point of his game. So maybe some more contested catches, maybe some more um, you know, running after the catch and things like that, but really we're just, you know uh, we're just, Kind of splitting hairs here when when it comes to Parker Washington, exactly phenomenal uh, athlete, but probably an underrated athlete, phenomenal skill player, um, and I think that that's a reason that we're going to see sort of targets, uh, you know, go heavily
0: his way this year. And he gets after it as a blocker. I mean, watch this guy when when, when Penn state's running the ball, his assignment, he, he, he handles it. Uh, and he, he is a guy, he, he says, he credits a lot of that lower body powder power. We heard Stubblefield say he just hangs out in the kitchen when he comes over, eats and eats and eats. There's a reason he is the way he is built, like a power back. You hear that pays off also when the ball's not in his hands and and elsewhere at wide receiver, looking at the stock up situation Cam Sullivan-Brown is, is someone we saw more than we thought we would have on Friday because we did not see Keandre Lambert Smith out there during the scrimmage, Uh, but he was rotated in as the first uh, as a first teamer when we first got in the stadium. The next time he was, you know, he was the first teamer with Parker Washington and 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 Jahan Dotson. So Sean, when when I look at Sullivan-Brown, you know, everything here is last year was supposed to be the year he made his move, didn't happen. Physical limitations, the medical limitations here, now, now is opportunity is going to happen. He's been on that now or never list for a few years. He has passed that expiration date and, you know, it, you got to root for the guy. Maybe he has a late career renaissance here. He's got two years of eligibility because of what happened last year. So he's got a little bit of time. Um, but he's a guy that they seem to be pretty comfortable with uh, in that third role. If they need him, if he's not in the third role, seems to be the next guy in off the sideline when they bring in uh, a rotation. And uh, to me, that it's probably I would say Cam, Cam Sullivan Brown's career at this point at Penn State is in a better spot than I maybe thought it would be last December. Yeah. And this is a guy that I
2: think went into the portal, what, two years ago and just yeah. a couple of tough injuries um, the last two seasons. And, you know, they, they thought maybe turning the corner last year and then all of a sudden um, he's out and he he has to miss the start of the season kind of gets buried there. Um, you know, another guy that probably has to play within himself and and know what he is. He's not uh, going to be the guy that takes the top off the defense, uh, probably a complimentary receiver to those other two guys that we just talked about, but you need those guys and I, and I think Sullivan Brown realizes that and can bring something positive to the table also going to be a veteran that that helps out Keandre Lambert Smith and some of those other younger guys Jaden Dotton who had a good spring um help those guys those guys come along so again I mean you need sort of I I don't want to downplay that excuse me, downplay Sullivan Brown and say you know just a role player but you need role players on these teams and I think that you know whether, whether he goes out and catches 20 25 balls might not be the the
0: greatest measure of what he brings to the team, and with the guys up top there, Dotson and, and Washington, you don't need that. You know, you don't need him to be a guy who's going to go out and catch five balls a game. But you need him to catch the ball when it, when it comes his way, be able to pick up a tough third down catch, uh, and and that may be all you get out of him in a game. Uh, yeah, you can and, catcher and, and two, and, and might, that's fine.
2: Yeah, and it might be a situation where you know Parker Washington is going to draw a lot of attention. Jahan Dotson is going to draw a lot of attention. Maybe you find your way into, as the guy that nobody pays attention to. That's that's yeah. a pretty good spot to
0: be, um, especially, you know, with some of the catches, the contested catches we've seen him make in the last couple of weeks. Cam Solomon Brown will be 22 years old uh, this year, uh, 25 catches in his career, 119, I'm sorry, 25 games, 13 catches, 119 yards, uh, has not reached the end zone with Penn State. So um, we'll see if this is a year where he, where he's able to break through and, and find productivity. He's going to find challenges from this group that's intact. The guy like Jaden Dotton seemed to make strides. Malik Mega we saw continuing to flash that athleticism, albeit at a raw level. And you've got the three four-star recruits coming in, at, as true freshmen this season, they'll have a chance to make inroads. So um, it feels like, I think we've said this several times, once you get past the the Cam Sullivan Brown portion and, and you cluster in Keandre Lambert Smith, we'll talk about this as we look at some position battles uh, later here in the podcast uh, this week or next, but after you get past those four names, it just feels like there's a kind of a wide open conversation on what comes next.
2: Yeah. And, you know, just looking at the numbers, Having a full two deep, maybe a little bit overrated, because you think of who was Penn State's sixth receiver last year, and what was that, TJ Jones or something like that? I mean, it's not something that you can lean heavily on, especially if you have guys like Washington that can cross-train, play inside out. Those uh, guys don't come off the field. Yes, so that <laughs> that's helpful. You would love to have a, a true too deep. Don't get me wrong here, but I don't think it's the most necessary thing, especially when you have a couple of good tight ends. So you can work around that. Um, Still would like to see a little bit more speed in the group. Um, Again, you know, the big plays is something that we, you know, kind of spent the spring searching for and, you know, they got one from Jahan Dotson the other night to start off the scrimmage, but that was more of a busted tackling situation on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, you want to see guys run away from each other or run away from the defense and still a little bit of concern in that area.
0: This is your stock report on offense. We're going to come back with our thoughts on defensive guys who are on the rise, but first a word from a guy who played a lot of defense for these Nittany Lions, former All-American Penn State linebacker, Brandon Short.
1: I'm Brandon Short, All-American linebacker, current member of Penn State's board, and two-time captain of your Nittany Lions. I'm running for re-election to Penn State's board. I come from a tough background, and a Penn State education changed my life. I had an NFL career, earned an MBA from Columbia, and I'm now in finance. Penn Staters have a lot of pride in athletics. There are wide-ranging benefits from success in athletics, increasing academic standards, supporting 850 student-athletes, and boosting the local economy. The current athletic budget is self- funding and is independent from the university, so investments have no impact on tuition or employees' salaries. Yet, over the past decade, Michigan and Ohio State have outspit Penn State by $246 million and $390 million, respectively. Some candidates in this election want to de-emphasize athletics, making this gap wider. We must invest, not for more touchdowns, but to benefit the local economy and enhance the entire university. If you agree, vote for Brandon Short, Steve Wagman, and Alvin DeLevy so together we can invest in Penn State's future. To vote, go to the link in the podcast show notes now. Thank you.
0: As a reminder, voting for that Penn State Board of Trustees selection process concludes on May 6th. We've had a link for all alumni to be able to to register for that vote um, in our podcast articles and in the description uh, of these podcast episodes of Late uh, featuring Brandon Short. So, Sean, as we move toward the defense now and the stock up players on that side of the ball, uh, once again, I remind our listeners that when we were in Beaver Stadium, I was trying to keep tabs on the Penn State offensive personnel, and you were looking at the defensive side of things. So kind of uh, let you take the lead on this one, and, and you came up with a list of five, um, and it starts with someone that we've <laughs> been talking about quite a bit here on on the podcast, Kaylin King. And I think it's
2: important to note; it's these are just not based off of two scrimmages. This is based off of talking to people in the program. This is based off of what we heard, you know, from coaches all spring and things like that. But it really shouldn't be a surprise. The first guy I'm going to go to, Kalen King, the freshman cornerback, the early enrollee, um, weren't really sure what to expect from him given what was in front of him coming into uh, the spring. Certainly made the most of it. You saw two position changes, actually three position changes coming out of it uh, with Marquise Wilson going to receiver, Keaton Ellis going to safety and Sebastian Costantini, who's a pretty good walk on going to safety as well. Um, so, I mean, if you can do that as a true freshman, sort of, sort of plow out the room that early. And,
0: and by the way, Joseph Johnson at the Johnson, transfer portal.
2: Yeah, Joseph Johnson, the portal. I don't know that had much to do with King. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he stepped up in a big way and and made the most of his opportunity. I think he was out with the first defense this week. Again, no Joey Porter, Tariq Castro Fields didn't play in either scrimmage. So. Um, you know, you got, you got to take that as, you know, points of data as you, as you listen to this, but uh, still impressed what we saw with Kalen King. I think he's still got some growing up to do in terms of tackling in terms of uh, being in the right position, communications and things like that, but physically talented kid that, uh, that has a nose for the football. And that's something that uh, is has been sorely lacking for Penn state in the secondary over the last couple of years. So I still think he's uh, probably a two deep guy right now. You, I still, I stick with Castro fields and Porter as the starters, but King I think is going to play a bunch for Penn state this fall
0: domino effect in that defensive backfield when a freshman shows up like that, as we have clearly seen. Defensive end, Sean, was a spot where you needed stock-up guys coming out of spring, and you've got a couple listed here. I'm in complete agreement based on what we've heard and what we have seen as well. We'll start with a guy who's been with the program for a while now, year number four, and it's shaping up to be a special one for him, Nick Tarburton.
2: You know, Tarburton's a guy that I'm, and I don't want to say it the wrong way, but you're going to have doubts about until you can see him be healthy and, and play a couple games, string a couple games together on the field. Um, that's but fair, I think from, I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate, but it's absolutely fair. I mean, given what he has been through and it's, it's a credit to him to still be here. It's a credit to him to, to be out there. And he started both scrimmages uh, ahead of Arnold Abikete. Um, But uh, that's, uh, that's something that you, you know, can take into account. He's a tough kid. He's, uh, started as a linebacker. We thought he might eventually be a, a defensive tackle, but seems to have found a home at home at end and Penn state needs that. They need that badly. Um, and he's a guy that can play the run, a guy that can, you know, maybe get to the pass. I don't, I don't think he's, anybody's confusing him and, and, and AK off the edge in terms of a speed rusher, but, you know, he did a lot of really good things when he mm-hmm. was out there. And, you know, that's a guy that I would, definitely consider probably the definition of stock up. I know they kind of talked him up a little bit in the off season and coming into the spring, but, you know, you just kind of hold your breath and wonder if he can make it through. And he seemed to make it through this spring uh, unscathed, knock on wood, and and hopefully he can continue on that path because I mean, that's a that's a thin room. We you know, we like some of the depth that they've cultivated by moving Zariah Fisher there and having a mean van over there. And we've talked about Hakeem Beeman possibly playing out there, but you want your starters. You want your your first three guys. Uh, And I think it's pretty clear. The first three guys are Isaac uh, Tarburton, Ebekete. But uh, you want to have those guys ready to go. And it looks like Tarburton, you know, might be in on that right path.
0: And Tar Burton, one thing that stood out to me from all the conversations about him and, and, and with him, Clearly the, the centerpiece there is the the physical issues and, and the setbacks that he's had to overcome. I think what I was impressed by along the way is he has really, uh, you know, entrenched himself as a, as a sounding board for, for these young offensive line or young defensive linemen. He's be, managed to be a veteran leader. And that's not easy to do when, you, when you're not piling up big time reps in a game. You know, it's a lot easier for someone like Shaka Tony to command that kind of respect from a room because he's played a bunch of big 10 football. He's made some splash plays Got Nick Tarber, and a lot of what he's done has been away from the spotlight, away from the football field itself. So I think that's something that stood out, the way he's been able to step up, help a guy like Zariah Fisher, who's making that transition from linebacker like he did back in 2018. Um, The new guy in town, uh, Arnold Ibikate, you heard early reviews that were explosive, um, you know, guy who gets off the edge and and you're not going to beat him off the snap. Then we saw him, and check, check.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he showed something this spring, and I was uh, excited. One of the guys that I was most excited to see and honestly not disappointed a bit. Um, I think he's still got some work to do in terms of, uh, you know, the finer points of that position, playing the run. It's going to be a big jump from Temple to, to Penn State, especially when you, again, go to Wisconsin in week one. i curious to see which one of those guys gets the nod as the starter. I think we kind of came in and thought, okay, Ebikete is coming in here to start. Um, but I think Tar Burton's done a nice job of of, of holding up his end and, and doing a nice job of, of- putting him in a position to be a start, be a potential starter. And this is a thing that, that you talk about with coaches and they like to have three starters at each position, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, places like the defensive end. So whether or not he's in there with the first snap, it really doesn't matter. You just, you're going to see a lot of these guys. So um, but yeah, he, he showed more burst off the edge than uh, than either of those other guys in, in Isaac and Tarburton. got to the quarterback a few times again, uh, I think this summer will be very beneficial for him spending it with Dwight Galt. And that's certainly a, a good way to spend your summer if you're looking to uh, put on uh, productive mass. And I think that, that, that he'll get that get to that. So um very pleased with that and still have my questions about defensive end depth and what they're going to do, especially with that front loaded schedule that they've got. Um, but so far, you know, Abikete has has answered the questions that I've had about him coming in.
0: Eva Kade all conference at Temple last year took it upon himself to to explore power five opportunities, had several approached, and uh Penn State was the choice. And and they feel like as a staff Uh, they were able to find something there on the transfer portal. And and right now you you add in Johnny Dixon, a guy that we're not highlighting here, but continue to hear good things about saw him a lot uh, playing some nickel. Um, He's going to make an immediate impact. Derek Kenchelow at defensive tackle, whether he's a first team or second team, you're going to see him in, in that mix as well. And we've already talked about John Lovett at running back. So right now you got Eric Wilson still coming to campus as an offensive lineman, but the addition so far, shaping up as very impactful for Penn state through the transfer portal. And that's what you want from guys that are, are you know, down to a year or two of eligibility like these players are uh, someone much further, uh, you know, along in their, in their careers than, than Tarburn or Ebikete is Tyler Elsdon. didn't have a full off season last year um, as a true freshman. Uh, so it's, that's going to set you back in your progress, but coming out of, of spring ball, Franklin mentioned him on Friday night as a guy who has probably improved as much as anybody else that he can think of on the field this year and kind of under the radar because it's not a name we have mentioned a lot here, but you came away impressed by him from our first scrimmage opportunity. And he's a guy that that could really shuffle the deck a little bit if he is that advanced going into this second season at the college level.
2: And again, I'll, I'll hold off on shuffling the deck because I think they're pretty well set, uh, especially at those outside positions. With well, I'm, talking, I'm talking more so too deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he I think he was in our two deep heading into it. And it's a question more. About Jesse Loqueta now, and that, I think that's where we're kind of where you were going with this, and I yeah. apologize for trampling on you, uh, but <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those things where Elston, if you can get him to be the sixth linebacker, if you if Casher can be happy or excuse me healthy. And if uh, Luketa can be healthy, then that, that seems like a pretty good spot to be in. Uh, I was impressed with him, you know, in the, in the one scrimmage that we saw. And we didn't see him uh, in the second scrimmage, which was unfortunate, but this is a kid that got a ton of reps this spring. I mean, just uh, looking at the numbers, the numbers kind of, played up themselves is, is you had five scholarship linebackers and, uh, that's really what you were getting out of it at that point. So ton of reps for Kobe King, ton of reps for Tyler Elston. It looks like Elston made some strides. And, uh, you know, I still think that he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you, you could put in the middle, you could put him in will. He's a box guy all the way. It's not the fastest guy out on the field, but he's improved that speed. Um, he's got, Good quickness, which is it was one of the crazier things that I saw uh from a testing standpoint. I mean, this is a kid that's running a four, a sub-4-one shuttle that was running a four eight forty or something along those lines. So big differences in there. To me, I'd rather have that quick shuttle. Um, and you can sort of work on that 40 in the long run. Um, so hopefully that's coming down. Hopefully he's getting faster. And, you know, I think that that's a guy that looks like he can play a couple of years and be productive in a couple of years. Um, I still think Brooks is, is the guy in the middle. And we kind of touched on that afterwards is, you know, wasn't the performance I was hoping to see, but I think he's been better than I expected this spring. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens at the two deep. Uh, you've got some flexibility with Luke Ketta if you want to call it that uh, maybe he's a Defensive end, maybe he can go back to the will or whatever. It's it's hard to say. Um, because you don't know where he's gonna be at coming out of the injury. You don't know, you know, how big he's gonna be and things like that if he's kept his quickness because he's obviously had a shoulder in a sling going into the spring. So there's not a ton that you can do in terms of improving your speed and improving your quickness with your shoulder and your with your shoulder being uh you know taken care of there. So we'll see what happens with Luke Kedden. That's gonna have a residual impact on what happens with Tyler Elsden. But I'm ex- I'm excited for his future. I think he can be, a, you know, a, God, I'm going to do it. The lunch pail guy, uh, the stereotype guy in the middle. But I think, you know, given what he brings and the size that he brings, he's a lot bigger than I think people give him credit for. He's a lot, just looking in pads and looking in uniform you know, he kind of stands out from that nature. And Ellis Brooks isn't going to uh, physically overwhelm anybody, not the biggest guy in the world, but Ellsden looks like, you know, it kind of looks like a Josh Hall type in the middle, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, He's got those big shoulders. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Uh, maybe not this year, but the following year, I think he'll be right in the mix to start.
0: Lunchpail guy, lunchpail guy, linebacker for First in, for first in last leave, yep. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and one thing that did stand out with, Franklin's comments about Elston, I think it it got some attention on our board as well. uh, Was saying that they feel like they've learned something about his sideline to sideline ability, his ability to move around the field that they had some questions about. You know, and they we we chronicled this when he was getting his offer. They said, all right, let's, let's take a look at you after camp. And Pry didn't get the offer on the table then. They said, all right, come back again. Let's take a longer look at you. Ended up getting an offer, committing very quickly to Penn State, as we covered a couple summers ago. Right now, though, it sounds like they feel like, you know, as they're uncovering and learning more about this kid in his second year on campus, a little bit more in that department, Sean, than what they maybe anticipated they might get out of him. So something that he has flashed on the spring practice field and Someone that I felt like we were going to learn something about this spring, one way or the other. Was he going to disappear from the conversation? Was he going to you know, put himself in the conversation at safety? Tyler Rudolph, his third year on campus, guy we didn't hear much about the last couple of years, a four-star prospect coming to campus out of Connecticut, along with Marquise Wilson. Um, and you've got him on your stock up, which is says a lot for his status right now.
2: That's a guy that they needed to step up. And I, I'm still sort of apprehensive about putting him you know, all the way stock up because I don't know that he's going to play you know, right away this year. Year, uh, but he seems to be that. Four, he seems to solidify himself as that fourth guy in the two deep. We talked to Brent Pry last week, and. Honestly, the, the comments about him seem to be pretty glowing in terms of uh, of the steps that he's made. And in talking to other people, I mean, it's it's about consistency for Rudolph. It's about, um, you know, the the offseason work. You know, you can see the talent flashing through. Obviously, he's got very good size for that position. A uh, ton of length out there. He made some plays in the ball uh, in the first scrimmage. We did not see him in the second scrimmage, but uh, was in, impressed with the the little bit that we saw. And it's going to be about consistency. It's going to about, be about how he handles coming out of the spring obviously he's not a starter Um, so you you got to get your mindset that you want to be able to compete. And again, I think it's a spot where you've got the three guys at the top of the depth chart with Brisker Sutherland and Jair Brown, who we obviously didn't see in the last two scrimmages. Um, And then there's a bit of a gap, but we've always lumped Enzo Jennings and Tyler Rudolph together. I think Rudolph, you know, probably took a bigger step this spring. Jennings has done some nice things, but I still don't think he's quite there uh, to, to, to battle for the two deep. So I think probably this is one of those ones where I just went a little bit further down the depth chart and wanted to see, you know, maybe who was a little bit further ahead than we thought they might be coming out of the spring, and Rudolph uh, just did, did some nice things. I'm not ready to, to crown him. Not ready to put him in the the too deep. I still think Penn State is going to explore the transfer portal for a safety that can come in and play right away. Um, but it's uh, it's one of those things where you are seeing you know at least steps in the right direction for a guy like Rudolph.
0: Um, so that those are five stock up guys on defense we mentioned more than five guys when we were covering offense and more than five here on defense but uh the five that Sean pinpointed there you heard us go through we're gonna have a lot more coming out of this spring we want to spread it over the next few episodes because otherwise you'll get one three hour long episode and not really good for the business plan here uh, at Mines 24-7 so uh, we will get a chance to, to focus in on a bit uh who did we miss seeing this spring what are some mysteries regarding position battles going into the summer um, and it is Additionally, uh, there's 10 guys at least coming to campus, adding to this roster as scholarship athletes in the summer. We'll look ahead a little at the potential impact of that incoming group, a mix of freshmen and at least one transfer. But uh, Sean, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Then it's going to be time to focus in on recruiting. And there were prospects at Penn State in Beaver Stadium on Friday night for the first time in a long time. And also you made a trip to Philadelphia to get a firsthand look at Bo Pribula. so we'll talk to you about that. Stay with us, listeners. Uh, this is the Lions twenty four seven podcast.
1: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: All right, recruiting is returning to a reality that we are far more familiar with than the existence that that occurred throughout 2020 and, and the way we had to cover and handle that. We've got recruits actually on campus and actually seen Penn State football in person. That was able to happen for, for a collection of players on Friday evening in Beaver Stadium. Already uh, several VIP content stories up on lines 24-7. Brian Doan has a bunch of them still to come as well. Um, and I want to let folks know, if you're not a VIP subscriber, April 29th t- to mark the start of the draft, off annual memberships Uh, that's going to go through the end of this month in April. So this is the time to jump on board. If you're looking for the recruiting coverage that you can get, now there's visits. Now there's going to be camps again. Uh, There's a lot going on behind the scenes that you're not getting a chance to hear or read about if you're not a VIP subscriber. So that's my spiel. But uh, again, we have some tangible conversations coming away from Friday with recruits who just saw Penn State in person.
2: Recruits in the stadium. How about that? What a what a crazy crazy thing that we're seeing here. Um, it's it, I don't underestimate that sort of thing either. Um, it's a, it's obviously just a scrimmage, and you know you can't talk to the coaches and everything like that. But just looking around, and I, I think Beaver Stadium in itself, um, not the prettiest thing in the world, but seeing the mass, uh, the it's just a massive uh, complex. So sitting in the stands, even though you don't have a hundred and ten thousand people in them, it still just kind of registers for some of these guys. And, and you know, it's it's obviously a, imagine what it would be like if it's full. But just kind of looking and seeing the the breadth of. Everything. I mean, it's just, it's a lot to take in, especially for a lot of these guys who, you know, haven't been anywhere in a year and a half and, you know, their last chance to check out a game was 2019 and maybe they weren't even prospects at that point. So um, that's something to to take into account. And it's something that sort of moves the needle, especially when you're trying to be on their mind entering June. We mentioned how important June is. Um, So you get a guy like Nick Singleton, who you think you're doing pretty well with um, moving in the right direction. You get him on campus and it's a great evening on Friday night. Um, you just kind of get him looking around and say, okay, this is uh you know, a comfortable situation. I think that that's probably something in, you know, uh, Brian, he told Brian, do he kind of got chills during the scrimmage and, I don't know about you. I, I didn't really get chills <laughs> during this during the scrimmage because it was a scrimmage. But he's looking at it from a different standpoint than than you and I are probably pretty much anybody else in that stadium. Um, so it, it, it's cool to take into account that sort of thing. Uh, Jay, Sean, then you,
0: you still feel a bit of a buzz. I mean, I, I know you've been in that stadium a bunch, but just to be back in there uh, no, and, and 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 it just not feeling like every like being. I know you weren't there last fall. You, you, uh, Mark and I were in the press box last fall for us but it was not anywhere close to this. There was no ban for the last few games. There was literally no one in the stands. I was surprised we were even in there and it just felt like it just didn't feel right at all. This, this was like a totally different atmosphere. I know it's a baby steps towards where everyone wants to see Beaver stadium in September and October and November, but this was a different thing. I I came away from it buzzing a little bit and and I can only imagine what that's like for a high school prospect who hasn't been able to visit anywhere for a year and a half. Well, it's,
2: it had a celebratory atmosphere. There was a lot of mm-hmm. joy there in terms of just the people that wanted to be there and were able to get tickets. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are not happy with how that worked, but given the list of recruits that we saw at that game, obviously the, the actual plan worked. Um, but it, I, I think it was just a, a bunch of, there was a lot of joy there and there's a lot to be taken from it. And, you know, we've taken so many things for granted and, you haven't had them in the last year. So getting that sort of thing back, you know, it's going to have a different effect on a lot of different people. Um, I, you know, I even mentioned that last saturday when we were in there just kind of hearing the the rise of the crowd and just kind of the anticipation there so there's just you know it's it's one of those things where it's a positive connotation there's, there's joy there's hope there's you know <laughs> a couple of boos here and there but um no it was it was fun to sort of get that out or to to get that atmosphere and that's not something that that a lot of schools have been able to replicate and that's uh, you know, you see guys going to spring games and I think coaches and, and those recruiting staffs have started to find the loopholes in terms of how you get, you know, your product in front of some, some recruits. And that's um, really the, the way that this, uh, this dead period is going to end by, you know, putting these, you uh, uh, I don't want to call them showcases or anything, but having these showcases and putting this team in the forefront of your mind. And that's for a guy like Singleton, for a guy like Jaden gold, who's set to, to visit in June uh, for some of these younger guys, uh, for Tyrese Fearbury from, from Pittsburgh included uh, in that, in that 2022 group um, to get in front of them and, and sort of just be like, Hey, this is this is a spot that you know this is not our full product, but this is a spot where you're gonna you know feel appreciate this is a spot that you're gonna appreciate what you're going through and what what everybody's going through and I think that has a could can possibly have a profound effect on some of these uh these prospects
0: and they're seeing these players on the field interacting with each other joking around yeah you know, there's a brotherhood that you can observe that you can't really see when you just tune in on TV for a few hours on a Saturday during the pandemic to sit there you know a few rows behind these guys as, as they're you know you've seen teammates interact with their coaches there's something to be taken away just, from that
2: and 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 the little things like okay so you you can maybe I don't, I don't know what the the exact rules are, but if you're watching a practice on uh, an Instagram live, or if you've got a zoom going with, with something like that, I, I don't want to get into the rules and everything, but you know, you're limited to that. Like we're, we're podcasting right now. We're looking at each other in one camera set and that's it at a, at a scrimmage, you can, get up and move at least a little yeah. bit you know you can go see um you can you can sit in the 30th row but you can also walk down to the railing and get a feel for how it looks there it's just i think perspective is from a visual standpoint perspective is probably underrated in in that we kind of mm-hmm. have forgotten about that and it's just like i don't i don't like sitting i mean it, not, nothing against you but i don't like sitting here talking to somebody on a screen i'd rather you know talk to them in person and yeah. you know uh carry on a conversation while i'm walking with them or something like that so i think that's Sort of perspective is often lost and kind of forget about how you can take that in as a prospective student athlete.
0: And for these guys whose first time on campus, there's something about driving to a college that you're considering and driving back. So you can get a real gauge on how far is it from mom and dad? Is it far enough? Is it too far? Or is it just right? That That's part of the process as well. And I think that's what's appealing for a lot of players in the region about Penn State is it feels like it's pretty far from home. The landscape might look a lot different from home, but it's still a manageable car ride away. And you can kind of figure that out once you actually make these trips to campus rather than plan the trips to campus. We hope and, to be more accustomed to these visits, by the way, in June and July. We've talked about it. Eight camps on the schedule now supposed to occur at University Park. And I'm curious with this class of 2021, uh, we
2: thought that it might be that sort of situation where you sort of fall back to what's familiar and fall back to what's closer to home. And in, in often, you know, often we saw in the last cycle, that was kind of the complete opposite. Mm. We saw guys that would take one trip somewhere that would be, you know, a, probably a 14, 15 hour drive or something like that. And then all of a sudden commit. And I'm curious to see how that works, you know, the, the longevity of that and having your parents not being able to uh, afford to make that trip every week, and it's there's there's a lot that goes into that sort of decision, and I'm curious how that works out. It's not going to work out anytime soon, um, but it's uh, it, it's certainly something to, to monitor a couple of years into the into the process.
0: Well, prospects will be coming to Happy Valley, uh, where we hope to have a chance to see them this summer. In this instance, on Sunday. You made a trip to see Bro Perbula in outside of Philadelphia for the Elite 11 regional quarterback camp. It's something we've talked about uh him him looking ahead to uh, when he was a guest on this podcast. And Sean, you were there. Brian Doan was there. I know you've got some video you're working on to, to give our listeners and our readers a, a, you know, a look at what Bo was doing on the football field. But uh f- from your point of view, what was the process like? I know, first off, I've covered a lot of Elite elite 11 camps. We knew this one was going to be structured differently because of the circumstances. So I want to put that out right off the bat. Usually you'd hope to see a lot of high caliber receivers and defensive backs on the field, maybe some linebackers, tight ends wasn't how it's going down in 2021.
2: They, they they usually run these things in conjunction with the opening regional camps, which is kind of, uh, you know, hit a wall in terms of what they're able to do and how many people they can get in. So the receivers that they're throwing to aren't really running precise routes. They're not really, you know, it's kind of a, a group of guys from the area usually that comes out and catches balls for them. And, and, You know, happy for them, more power to them, Uh, but you're not throwing to oftentimes Division One athletes, Uh, FBI, Anthony Ivey. Yeah, there you go. Um, So that kind of took away from it. So there's no seven on seven. There's no one on one type things where you have to make the throws and you have to make the reads in seven on seven case. Uh, So that kind of took away from it. Um, it wasn't a great group of quarterbacks. I'll say that up front in terms of what we were able to see. Um, don't, and I both had Donovan Leary out of South Jersey committed to Illinois as our top performer. I think that's well-earned. I think he had the best day. Um, you know, I, I questions about the long-term projectability, but, uh, you know, he's been one of those guys that's been. Sort of underestimated, just like his older brother, who's now at NC State and doing some some nice things down there. Older um, brother but,
0: balled out at that Elite Eleven camp too a couple of years back.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you know uh, it, it going. We're focused on Bo Prabula here. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I think uh, I was just trying to transition and not talk about uh, that that sort of uh, angle, uh, but it, Bo Prabula. You know, throws a nice ball. It was a really, really windy day, and some guys struggle with the win. I didn't see Bo struggle with that, which is interesting because my my takeaway and my my most curious point was the arm strength um, still not the the biggest arm in the world. And I think I uh, have questions about is he a natural thrower? Uh, we've seen on his tape that, you know, he'll just go out and sling it at times, and, and his athleticism really gets him by. By the way, the third highest spark rating at the camp was Pribula. Um, I think a 416 shuttle is what he told me he ran and eventually get those numbers uh, down the line. But uh, yeah, I mean, he looked good. I don't think he blew it out of the water. And I think he probably would be one that told you that he's still got stuff to work on um, in in terms of getting that arm stronger, in terms of getting his feet set and and really pushing into the ball. Um, But yeah, he was accurate, which I think is, you know, one of those things that, We've talked about in the past that 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 we've seen him be accurate at times, and we've seen him, you know, maybe try and get uh, get a little bit behind the ball and and maybe just push it out of there. But uh, was impressed with what I saw on the whole. And like I said, I don't think he killed it by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think anybody there uh, really did that. There was no invites to the elite 11 finals from that group. And that's not to say somebody won't eventually come back and get one of those invites mm-hmm. They'll They'll have other camps. They have a camp coming up in Indy where Drew Aller is going to be. Um, so I, you know, I was, I was probably, um, about in line with my expectations there. We've talked about Bo needing to get stronger from a, from a push it down the field perspective. Um, but yeah, he was accurate. Um, the footwork is probably about where I expected it to be, which is not what I, one of the things I really like about Probula is he hasn't been raised to be this sort of robo QB. And we saw some guys going through drills yesterday who knew where the footwork was going to be and maybe didn't have the athleticism to back that up. Um Prabula was kind of the opposite. You know, you could see the athleticism shining through, even if he wasn't the cleanest in the pocket in the footwork, and then eventually his feet would get under him, he could throw the ball. So um I, I don't think that uh, you know, we have him as a high three star at twenty four seven sports. I think I'm comfortable with that right now. And I know people, you know, will say put on the tape and everything. And I I have watched the tape and I think he's a, a tremendous talent. Um, but I don't know that there's any one thing that blows you away from him from, from a quarterback perspective. And that's throwing the ball and you know, that's not taking into account that he can take off and run a four six or something or whatever he may be running right now. Um, he, he looked uh bigger to me. Now, granted, I haven't seen him in person for a year and a half, so um that I would hope he looked bigger to me um but yeah he's uh, he's got a lot of things going for him right now just a, a, some of those finer tools um at, from from a quarterback standpoint that he could work on uh heading into the next couple of camps he said he's going to camp at Penn State he's got his official visit at the end of June um but yeah it's uh it, it's I came away impressed but not blown away
0: yeah and to me if the one if there is like the wow factor you look for when you review what Bo Perbula is as a prospect right now to me the improvisational stuff that he does that's not necessarily drawn you, you're up you're not going to get that at the elite right. 11 right yeah, that's, that's not part yeah. of the metric here so that, that that's you know keep that in mind and, and like you said Drew Aller the other quarterback in this class uh, more highly rated into the top 100 right now he'll get his crack at the elite 11 competition uh, as that regional tour continues and, and by the way and i think he'll uh, be
2: better in this in this scenario and that's I, that i would
0: i would probably agree uh, and by the way 9 9 months away from Bo Perbuela being on campus as part of this quarterback mix a guy that told us before on the podcast uh plans to enroll early in january after his senior season with central york um last thing we'll we'll get to and by the way um i I didn't I wasn't there, so I'm not gonna pretend to I'll just um, I trust my colleague here, Sean Fitz, and I look forward to seeing the video um that, that you put up there. I know Brian Dome was also sharing some stuff from from Philadelphia as well. So uh, we'll check that out lines247.com. I gotta I, got I took Brennan's
2: camera, I gotta figure out how to make that work. <laughs> I'm kind of like in the zoolander portion right now where I'm trying to get the uh the video to the laptop. So hopefully I can get that figured out in the next couple of hours.
0: Brennan Cam takes takes a field trip to Philly. Uh very nice. So let's get to our five-star mailbag. Um, And and we'll stick with one question this time around. You can drop your question at Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star rating and review. Factor in any kind of question you have about where recruiting is heading, where this team is heading. So much on the table right now in the conversation that will continue into the offseason. This one looks back at spring practices, and it's pretty simple, Sean. Aside from getting on the field, unlike last year, what are the biggest things a team can gain from spring practices? And the, the thing that comes to mind for me, and it's been a word that we've mentioned a few times, communication on the field, in meetings, um, between coaches, away from the players as they assess the team uh, as they get out of uh, you know as they get off the practice field they're going to have different opinions on maybe how a guy is 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 projecting and how a guy is is working and and if that's and if it's the right scenario for that player and uh, there's going to be different things being bounced off each other and, and then communication on the field from coach to player to other players um, that's, for me, the biggest thing. Physical reps are are greater than mental reps, and it's not even close. Last year, the big thing was mental reps, mental reps, mental reps, f- virtually, all that stuff. Uh, to me, communication is something that's really a building block. And I think it also forces some of your guys to find out who the leaders of this team are. Without a doubt. And, and that's probably... It,
2: it's kind of a word that encompasses so much and a lot of things that you don't even think about. I mean, how many times last uh, last season, at least in the first half of the season, we're looking at D-backs with their hands in the air, just looking for who was supposed to be where. Um, you don't really get that when you're not practicing together, no doubt. Um, so, uh, I, I do agree with that also, you know, things like the offensive line in terms of, uh, communication is so key and, you know, they're going to have to sort of reset with, with Mened out of there and, and Miranda taking over at center. Um, but just getting the guys just, Hey, you you're there, you're right there. And then from there, it kind of goes, it kind of builds because you're talking about, Foot placement you know you got a guy pulling and you're you're not trying to trip over the you know if you're the left guard pulling to the right you're not trying to trip over the center things like that it's it those little things that you just don't even think about um, are really probably the biggest thing to me and just uh timing with receivers and timing with receivers with pads. Like you don't think about that sort of thing. Cause you can go out. We saw these guys thrown around at like uh state high last year uh, when they came back to campus running seven on seven and things like that. Okay. Well, you, you bring pads into it that, that changes some things for some people. And, you know, it's uh, it's one of those, one of those things that you don't really, you know, take into account and think about. And we, we love to talk about football and pads. I know we just spent a segment on the elite 11, uh, but uh, it's it's those little things that you just don't go day to day. And like we said, we've taken so many things for granted in the last year. And I'm sure these, these team members have done the same. We've talked to Clifford about watching film and, and what it's like sitting there on your iPad by yourself, watching film versus when you've got Kirk Chirac or Mike Yersitch or whoever it is there in front of you sort of drilling that home. I think that that has something to do with it. So I, I don't know that, you know, there's, there's one answer to this, but there's so many things that can fall under under communication, and and the teams that we have seen come up short, like Penn State's 2020 team. Uh, you know, we're, we're lacking at that in several areas.
0: One other thing I'll note here: the, the you're experiencing the full benefit of early enrollment for these guys who busted their butt to en- to enroll early, graduate high school early. You were shortchanged last year in that department, departing campus a few months in, and then not getting back a few months later. Probably brought a lot of guys, a lot of guys back to square one or close to it this time. You know, where would Keandre Lambert Smith have been last year if he had 15 spring practices under his belt going into the summer? And, and right now, we're, we we wouldn't be talking about Kalen King; he wouldn't be able to really make this big mark and maybe get some of these things in in movement at the cornerback spot until August.
2: Building on some of that, you mean it's not just the spring practices, but that that entire chunk of offseason – uh, you know, you, we, we heard great things about Keziah Holmes when he got here and then he has to go home and all of a sudden he can't work out Well, he can work out, but can't work out in the same way. It's very different working out, you know, pushing yourself than having Dwight Galt and his staff, uh, push you. So, um, guys like that guys, like, uh, we mentioned Tyler Rudolph a little bit, uh, uh you know, uh, earlier sort of flattened out for a year and that's, you know, probably, uh, when you're talking about expectations for them, you kind of think, okay, well, they're not where they're supposed to be. Well, they're probably not where they're supposed to be, but they also didn't have the opportunity to get where they're supposed to be. So there are a bunch of guys that fall under that umbrella. one Roberson comes to mind on offense. Um, you know, a couple of the receivers as well. Um, the Juco guys, Norval Black, that we haven't really heard anything about this spring. Um, you know, he was... Behind when he came in. So it, I think a lot of that has to do with the the situation. I, I don't know that spring ball is all encompassing, but if you could have had some of these guys on campus going through uh, winter workouts into spring ball back to the spring workouts into the summer, um, all that stuff, I think that that definitely makes a difference. And that's going to do it for us. Tyler's computer has unexpectedly shut down on him, so I'm here to close the show. Thank you very much for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Remember to leave those five-star reviews and your questions for the five-star mailbag. For Tyler Donahue, I'm Sean Fitz. We'll see you later this week on the Lions 24-7 podcast.